2: His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet, and it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have And if you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the reality management worksheet, it contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We help people do all of that soon and often primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they use these tools actively in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we'd appreciate you give us a call. And um, the calling number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1 on your phone, it'll put the little hand of a icon of a hand by your phone number and I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code and we can have a conversation. There are also a whole host of audio files on that website of shows just like this one where people have been stepped through the worksheet process. So just in case you're the kind of person who doesn't really want to call or doesn't have access to call the show live and get stepped through a worksheet, you could just listen to those audio files and uh, they serve as a powerful tutorial to help you get the most benefit out of these tools in the shortest period of time. So, let us know how we can support you. That makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service. And as we say, it's far easier to do when we get feedback from you. What's working for you? What's resonating well for you? What are you enjoying? How might we support you in applying these tools in your own life? And what kinds of questions you have about what makes these tools work better for you or perhaps you're having some difficulty... Getting them to work on a consistent basis. One of the kind of a tricks of this whole situation is if I think I'm supposed to get a certain kind of a result from the worksheet process and then I engage it looking for that result, it's kind of like um, going into a meditation expecting a certain kind of response or experience. The very act of doing that prevents me from actually just relaxing into the meditation. So we encourage people to understand that this process is always working even if it's not giving me exactly the kind of Uh, results I would want to have but that's a big part of this process is recognizing that what my conscious logical mind wants and tells me I need is often the trap especially in the mental emotional and psychological space and learning to be willing to cancel my need to be right to put all of that aside and experience a different kind of wisdom or input or intelligence is a big part of what this tool can help us do and if that makes sense to you great and if that challenges your sensibilities that's also good we can talk about it we can assist you into the using the tool and stepping into the process so you can demonstrate to yourself the value. And that's what we're here to do. So, again, the call-in number is 563-999-3581. And I should note that if you have an interest in reaching out to us but you can't call in live or prefer not to be on the internet show, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org and, and or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org. Why That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot org. And if we get a question or a comment or an answer or a testimonial from you, we'll address it on the show. And then, as time allows, send you a notice about what day and time we were able to address that situation. And you can listen back to the archives to hear the feedback. It's been a while since I've fielded an email from somebody. I know Jeannie's gotten a few lately and addressed them on the show. But um, we do our our best to address every email that comes to us and let people know when that was discussed on the show so you can access the archives and, and hear the input. So I have... Um, Another project that's had you know its ups and downs over the past few years, but I also do this podcast for Journey's Dream, and I have several interviews coming up. Um, one of them is for a young woman who's written the book may cause side effects. Brooke. And her last name is S-I-E-M. I I don't know how to pronounce it, but... And it's a story about a young woman who had been put on antidepressants very young in her teen years and was on them for years and miserable and feeling suicidal. And then finally decided she would get off them. She would find a way to clear her system out and see what it's like trying to live without all of those meds. And um, and it was very, very difficult. There's a lot of withdrawal. There's a lot of what you might call bounce back or um, adjustment that your, your your system has to make if it's been functioning with a lot of antidepressants in it for a good long while and all of a sudden you don't have that in your system and i interviewed within the past 3 years i interviewed dr peter bregen who wrote a book on psychiatric drug withdrawal and um For that very reason, because it's quite well known that um, while it isn't always taught to every psychiatrist, those who have been studying it in the field understand that while these medications may not be technically in a classification where they're labeled as addictive or habit-forming, your body does have to go through some major adjustments to be able to tolerate having all of that stuff in your system, to have your brain function even reasonably normally while all of these other chemicals are affecting your neurotransmitters and those are you know, essentially the um, the mechanism that one nerve in your brain communicates to another. So all of your ability to think and feel and respond and interpret your, your the data coming into your senses, all of that is affected r- rather powerfully when you take some of these psychotropic medications. So... That's a book. I'm I'm just beginning reading it. Um, it's, It's all about the horrors that she went through to first decide that she was going to try going without these medications and then what it was like trying to go through the withdrawals. Or you might say the adjustment to life without the meds. And there's another interview happening this week with a gentleman who wrote the book, Rejection Junkies. And he's been married for 55 years, and he's very Christian, as I'm finding the more I read the book. But he says he's got some powerful perspectives to share about how when we have expectations that don't get met in childhood up to about age eight eighty percent of our patterns of relating to people are formulated by the time we're eight years old and to his way of thinking the pattern of rejection and craving for connection and then when that's not available Lining things up so that we actually experience the um the rejection that we say we don't want, but at least it's familiar, and that's what he thinks is one of the root dynamics that we go through um, over and over and over again in our lives. And he's got some some things to say about how to break that cycle. And then the other interview this week is going to be with Dr. Bradley Nelson, who is the author of the Emotion Code book, and now he's the author of the Body Code book. And I say that um, to give you an idea of the kinds of book interviews that have been useful for the Journey's Dream podcast And to let you know, uh, once again, that we'd be happy to uh, field your suggestions to, um, whether it's a podcast you like to listen to, or a spiritual teacher, or um, a book you've read that you really liked that's in any way related to self-help or spirituality, etc., we're um, still actively entertaining recommendations. So, please let me know if you have any of those books you've read recently or podcasts that you just you know can't get enough of, and. Um, pass that along and we will see if they will agree to be interviewed again the journeystream.org website has resources on it and it's a non-for-profit that's actively trying to engage in rewriting the narrative on mental health from whatever this thing is where We talk about people with a mental illness as though they're different than us and we give them lots of meds and we hospitalize them and moving it from that, moving the narrative to one in which optimal health and well-being is possible and expected. And one of the uses of that podcast is to put some of these not-so-familiar options out in front of people. Because most people in our culture here in in the United States get their health care screened through their primary care physician. And that means somebody who's been trained in the allopathic medical model, and that means they're trained to use a list of symptoms, And match that with a list of medications and or surgeries and that's good for a certain range of difficulties especially physical traumas and it's not so good for the overall long-term care and or any kind of a chronic illness so we're We're trying to make the options, which do exist, um, more readily available to people in a lot of different settings. And this free podcast, and there are over 120, maybe 125 different interviews that we've done in the past three and a half years. And they're available at JourneysDream.org. And so feel free to take advantage of them and send me an email at tjh at MindShifters-Academy.org. Or give us a call at 563-999-3581 and let me know your thoughts about who we might interview. So thoughts, comments, questions, answers. How would you like to spend... I I fell into the pattern of what what we do in our support group. How would you like to spend the rest of our time together? Which is a, a statement, a question I ask on a regular basis in our Tuesdays and Thursdays support groups. So we have been taking a look at the book by Christian Sundberg, A Walk in the Physical, and I had been reading some of the essays from that book, (laughs) and here's an essay, number 33, on the erosion of the ego. And ego is an interesting word because it's defined very, very differently by different groups of people. It's often maligned as an evil thing or attacked. Um, but there are those who understand that it's, it's a tool. It's not a bad thing. It's not a demonic thing. It, it has very specific limitations as a tool just as every tool does right there's no one tool with which you can build an entire house there's no one tool with which you can build an entire boat or a building and yet each tool has value So if you begin to think about your ego in terms of it has a role, it has some value, it's very limited, it's not all of who you are, and you have all kinds of other options. And if you misapply the ego, it can create all kinds of problems. Just like if you misuse any other tool, it can ruin your project. So this essay reads, the unrelenting weather, W-E-A-T-H-E-R, right? the unrelenting movement of, quote, what is, close quotes, actuality in life, in other words, will always eventually erode the ego. That is, reality itself, is built in such a way that over time, each conscious participant will naturally work their way through fears to greater states of freedom, creativity, and love. That process may take a long time or a short time. But the duration of time required is not hugely relevant space-time itself is an invention the quality of your experience speaks to you about how you are doing if your personal experience is one of peace and joy you're following the natural way if your personal experience is one of stress pain and suffering in many cases you're experiencing the counter pressure necessary for you to grow Anxiety, negative emotions, and stress are symptoms of having bought into perceptions or beliefs that are contrary to your true nature. Anxiety, negative emotions, and stress are symptoms, they're your warning signal to tell you that you've bought into perceptions and beliefs that are not in alignment with your true nature. Regardless of how much you believe the limited story you're telling yourself, and regardless of how much you blame others, you cannot escape the feedback that is your own personal experience. The story of the ego is sometimes one that is not easily challenged, especially in the context of such a constraining universe as this one. But over time, that story does inevitably get challenged. Beliefs that don't seem right ask to be challenged. Or self-doubt that leads to pain demands to be challenged. Or Our possessions and accomplishments do not ultimately satisfy us. Or hurtful action leads to retaliation against us. Or we fail to find fulfillment when our intentions are primarily selfish. Useful feedback abounds in our lives if we are humble enough to listen. So what this is saying is, if you're having distress mental emotional distress the very best use for it is as an alarm signal to wake you up to the fact that what you've been believing what you've been buying into what thought patterns that you've been trying to live your life from are in error The essay goes on and says, allow yourself then to acknowledge and consciously play along with the game of life. When your experience is positive, allow yourself to be fully present with it and thrive in it. When negative feedback arrives into your experience, allow, again, allow it to reveal to you what needs to be healed pain can be a useful warning remain alert to the feedback and be honest with yourself regarding what it is telling you be willing to be shown this this has me wanting to 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 stop and say this is why we continually in each worksheet process from the reality management worksheet We say, I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything else to change. What is that? It's a statement of, I want to be back in allowance. I want to be back in direct connection with what's actually happening. I want to go with the flow here. And I want to ask to be shown a different way to look at this than the way I'm looking at it that's causing this pain or fear or sadness. Be willing to be shown. Cancel your need to fight for what you believe is right when you're in pain. Hope that there's another way to look at it. Ask to be shown another way to look at it anytime you're in pain. The essay goes on and says, when your own stories are challenged, allow them to be challenged. The erosion of the ego will happen one way or another. This universe that you're committed to is made just to facilitate that process. So you might as well play along. When you do, and you surrender your deep need for control, you will find that true freedom is waiting for you. True freedom awaits. comments, you know, so watch, this, this is, uh, it, it feels weird for me to be saying this, but I have been doing this kind of thing, reading these kinds of things, listening to different teachers for so long. So many approaches that I've encountered over the years have been about attacking the ego or villainizing the ego or trying to eradicate the ego. And yet, the thing that makes the most sense to me is that that's a doomed endeavor because the part of my mind that wants to eradicate the ego is the ego. You know, that's like, go ahead and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Let's have a tug of war with yourself. Push your left hand away from your right hand. I mean, it's it's it, it doesn't make any sense, and that's why teachings like the Way of Mastery and the Course in Miracles that talk about love allows all things, love embraces all things, love trusts all things, love accepts all things, and thereby transcends all things. So, what's recommended here in this little essay? on you know the 33 titled the erosion of the ego is that we understand that the flow of life itself dr rice says it this way he says the purpose of life is to come right along and kick you in the limitations so you wake up and realize what you're holding on to that's actually hurting you or preventing you from moving forward or you know it's a disintegrative energy that's disintegrating your energy system degrading your energy system and I know we've talked about this before but the next essay number 34 is titled following your fears and we've talked about it before because I remember bringing up the Ursula K. Le Guin story from her Earthsea trilogy And there was a... There's tremendous wisdom in any really good writer, especially one who's writing science fiction or fantasy, um, you know, fantasy novels, because you have to really understand at least certain aspects of human dynamics, human relationships and emotions. And Ursula K. Le Guin was one of those. And the idea of this essay titled "Following Your Fears" is encapsulated in one of her stories about this wizard who was being chased by a, a spirit from, you know, the realm of the afterlife. And every time he ran from it, it would chase him. And several times it caught him, and he just barely escaped. And he was convinced that if the spirit won the battle, this evil spirit would have all of his power, and he was a very powerful magician or mage, and this otherworldly power, and it would do it would wreak havoc on the world. So every time he got the chance, he ran away from it. And the three times that it caught up to him, he felt like he just barely escaped with his life. And he went to his master teacher, and the master teacher said, you're not going to like this, but you have to chase this thing down and confront it. So he gets in a little boat and he's got the ability to bring up wind and calm the waters with some magic and, and he heads out very reluctantly to find this evil spirit thing. And it wasn't too long before the thing comes at him across the water. But instead of running from it, this time he turned his boat toward it and as soon as the spirit ghost thing realized he was coming toward it it stopped and then as he kept coming and whipped up a little magical wind to pursue it even faster the spirit demon thing raced away and so the hero warrior wizard whipped up some more speed and went after it and it, instead of just get, getting caught the evil spirit thing whipped up a fog so it could hide. And so the hero wizard stopped the wind and sat there in the water not knowing what to do because he couldn't see the thing anymore. But he noticed as his boat was bobbing around every once in a while in this thick fog where he couldn't see what direction it was going, every once in a while he'd be struck with terror in his heart. And after a few times of that happening, he realized that must be when he was pointed in the right direction. And he realized that as long as, this, as his vision was obscured by the fog, the best thing he could do to find this thing was follow his terror. And that is the message here, following your fears. When I run from a fear, I create the experience, as false as it might be in actuality, I create the experience that it, whatever I'm running from, is bigger than me. And it is either going to take from me something I need or keep me from getting something I need. So this essay reads, Anytime we consider perceptions that are not in alignment with the fundamental truth, we feel a negative emotional response.
3: Abraham Hicks
2: says it this way, when you look at someone and you judge them as being bad or wrong and you have an anger or fear or sadness, the reason you're feeling that is because you've chosen a way to look at that person That's different than the way source energy looks at that person you're judging that person differently than source energy would and that same idea is here in the first line of this essay anytime we consider perceptions that are not in alignment with the fundamental truth of life as it is anytime that happens we feel a negative emotional response thus Negative emotions can be used as a tool to locate whatever untrue perceptions we are holding on to. If you feel fear when you consider an idea or a belief, then follow that fear. See if you can identify what is the negative self-perception or negative interpretation about reality itself that may exist in you as a result of the idea or the belief. When we enter this world, we adopt the constraints that come along with being human. Chief among those constraints is a constraint on our knowledge. We no longer have access to the knowledge of the larger reality systems to which we intrinsically belong. What does that mean? It's like Einstein said, everyone and everything is created. Everyone and everything is energy and all energy is connected. So you're part of a much bigger system. This means that when we consider ideas as humans, we do so from a place of artificial ignorance. We have temporarily forgotten that our true nature is as a spark of the divine mind. That state of not knowing permits us, it provokes us even, to consider possibilities that are frightening to us and thus gives us the opportunity to experience firsthand a new perspective that would otherwise be impossible for the all-knowing spirit. Sometimes that new perspective were entertaining is one that is contrary to our true natures. And when that happens, we experience a negative emotional response. Dr. Michael Rice would say, if I'm in pain, I'm in error, or my thinking is in error. The next paragraph reads, for instance, regarding one of our most prevalent fears, if you consider the idea, quote, What if there's no afterlife and I die for real, close quotes? If you consider that thought and then you feel fear or resistance as a response, go find out why. Follow the sensations sufficiently within you and see if you can discover what negative self-perception or negative state about reality itself that particular belief would mean if you consider the possibility that no afterlife exists and you're simply destroyed at death then the resulting self-perception you may be experiencing or entertaining is one of powerlessness or non-existence the point is we know from this teaching from any of the other great spiritual teachings you can never be powerless you can never not exist. Your true essence is a spark of consciousness. It's a spark of the divine mind. And as I read that paragraph again, I think about these mystics and, and monks and, and from different traditions where they will create beautiful multicolored sand drawings or chalk drawings. And they'll take hours doing these intricate, beautiful art pieces, one of a kind. And then people will have watched them as they're creating it and people will stand back and appreciate it as it's there and then they sweep it up. And you have to ask yourself for a situation like this, Does that mean it had no value? Does that mean it wasn't beautiful? Did that mean I didn't have any enjoyment in the process or I didn't enjoy watching this artist? No, I I enjoyed it. It gave me all kinds of stimulation that I found as pleasurable. I have the memory of it if I want to call it up. The fact that it's not there anymore doesn't mean it wasn't of value. So if you create a sense of terror or upset thinking you you don't have a soul that's going to live after your life, why don't, you know, understand that you could have just as wonderful an experience of life living in this moment for this moment. There is nothing inherently negative about the idea that, You are the body, and when you drop the body, there's nothing else there. You can still enjoy the interactions you have, loving, gratitude-based, compassionate interactions with other human beings, with nature itself, with animals. And You can drink that in and have it fill you up, fill your bucket, so to speak, The fact that it may not last there was a, a song by uh Peter Mayer about the pumpkin patch and one of the lines in it said, The fact that the life of a jack o' lantern is brief makes it all the more wonderful, all the more poignant. But for that one night as a jack-o' lantern you might bring a smile to a face, you might get to see the stars. That's I'll move on. The next paragraph reads, "But in fact, the spirit is never powerless, and the spirit can never end or not exist. Consciousness can only temporarily buy into those perceptions and experience the result. Consciousness cannot actually fundamentally be powerless or lifeless. Nevertheless, in our example of the question, what if there is no afterlife, it's likely that, in fact, you don't actually know right now if there is an afterlife or not. Note that the state of not knowing itself does not cause discomfort. It is the resulting negative interpretation that we quietly entertain that triggers our fears. And our fears are meant to be explored. No matter how deep they go, the sensations that come forth with our fears cannot harm us. In fact, those negative sensations are valuable guideposts that lead us to discover the untrue perceptions that we have adopted during our human experience. Right. No matter how deep the fears go, the sensations that come with them cannot harm us. They are meant to be explored. They can serve as valuable guideposts that lead us to discover whatever untrue perceptions we have adopted in our human experience. It goes on and says... Permit yourself then to actually welcome your negative emotions as the fear messengers that they are. When you follow where they may lead, it will require great humility, persistence, and courage. And yet, that pursuit is incredibly worthwhile. The invitation is to find out what negative self-perceptions or negative perceptions about reality you are buying into. When you find those negative perceptions, spend time with them and with the resulting negative emotions that they can generate in you. Let them rant and rave. Hear them out in the now, in this moment. Feel them Feel them fully, breathe, soften, allow. Be with those feelings. Be with those negative thoughts as an outside observer. Rather than listening to the story you've spun all around them throughout your lifetime, just allow your awareness to be with the sensations themselves in total allowance The light of your awareness is powerful. It's mere presence. The mere presence of your awareness backed by the power of your intent to actually experience your emotions, experience them for what they are, and let go of your control. When you do that, it will naturally melt the illusions. And with sufficient humility and bravery, it's possible to peek through the ego structures of our lives, peek through them so clearly that we in fact see everything negative is an illusion, and only light and love are fundamental. The only way that can be seen is if we follow our fears. We allow. we let them wash over us. We breathe, we soften, we embrace, we trust, we accept, we allow. And that's the only way to transcend. So we've got about 12 or 13 minutes left. Five, six, three, nine, 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 three, five, eight one what might this be stirring up for you what kind of comments or questions would you like to add to our our discussion today 5639993581 welcome susan
3: Hi, Dr. Tim. I've been thinking about the word intent along with all this, and you just read, I think, one of the sentences I had underlined. I've underlined a couple of sentences from different chapters. Let me start at the beginning. It doesn't matter which is which. It is very beneficial for us to take time to genuinely search for what our intent really is. Doing so takes responsible courage, remarkable courage. But for the individual who is ready to accept responsibility, face their fears, and truly serve others, the universe itself will respond. I kept thinking of Michael and how he said, you've got to be divinely selfish. Because no matter how, and I, this is probably true all around, no matter how deeply, I, I, how, how how much I want to intend the best, I find my deepest reason is so that I'll get to heaven or you know, the, the equivalent. I'll be acceptable. Um, I'll experience good things, but uh, and other, it might help make other people happy or help them be happy, whatever. But it seems as if at the bottom of everything is a wish to do it right, to get the best out of life, the most out of life. <clears throat> I'll read another one. They come up every once in a while. Uh, this is called True Growth, um, essay 67. He says, it is the quality of our intent that must grow, not the correctness of our ideas. Um, see if the next paragraph has to do with that too, too. Maybe not so much. And then the last one I found just now, just looking through. <laughs> Love is a state of intention genuinely pointed. This is from essay 73. Love is a state of intention genuinely pointed towards the benefit of another over one's self. Okay, I could stop there and talk about divine selfishness again. I'll go on. Love is a state of intention genuinely pointed towards inclusion, acceptance, freedom of being, and unity. Anyway, but it all ends up being... when do we get pure enough to have a pure intention
2: well but try to understand that he's talking about this in another couple of essays as in in your true self in your core in your higher self in your consciousness even when you're not in a physical body that essence of you that is the pure intent it's always there You can't fail at that what we're talking about in his book is about the idea that we're here in the physical realm having forgotten that and working at bringing our awareness back to that in more and more challenging circumstances so the pressure is off you you do not need to create you can you can create the sense of pressure with your consciousness with your thoughts about it but the essence he's talking about is that your true nature can't fail it's the same kind of thing that's in the way of mastery and in the Abraham Hicks teachings you're you're going to have an infinite number of chances to get it right until you get it right and if you want to think of other entities as personalities, you have to think of them as these perfect personalities with infinite patience and complete love in all conditions. And there is no sense of time. It's not like they're over there saying, oh, come on, hurry up, or you're not going to make it. It mm-hmm. doesn't work that way in the non-physical. So the invitation with this work is to catch it when you create a sense of urgency or of failure and understand that's just one more attempt by your consciousness to create a more challenging set of constraints for you to work with. And so now, when you feel like you're under pressure and you might not have the right intent, and what if you can't get enough good intent before time runs out, can you still be loving? Can you still be gentle yeah. with yourself? Can you take a breath and say, oh, look at silly me, I'm trying to pre- you know, pretend there's some kind of an urgency, and creation is just going to keep flowing. It's a OK, just mm. the way it is.
3: That's a great relief to hear that we're already that. We just have to find our way back there, or and we can take all the time we need. Well, and
2: Michael says, he, M- Michael says, um, before we leave that thought, over and over again, he talks about how. In his readings of the scriptures, Yeshua says repeatedly, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. And then Michael would say, so pay attention to any teacher, including Michael, that you might interpret as saying, danger, warning, be afraid, be very afraid, because that's not the message from Yeshua and other great teachers. Mm. The message is fear not the message is all-encompassing love acceptance allowance surrender and the conscious logical mind is going to race at that and say oh but that can't be right because of this and that all of that is being generated within the constraints of this physical realm, which, as even Michael Rice would say over and over again, it's not what it appears to be to our. Well, I more going him, on don't here?
3: It's just my phone, but you're breaking up so much that I'm not getting your sentences now. It might be just me. Um, so, if somebody else is listening, and could text or call or something, I'm going to hang up and come right back in. All right. So I'm doing it now.
2: So uh, we're waiting for Susan to call back in. If anybody else has been hearing it break up, please let us know, either by putting your hand up or sending me a text if you have that information about how to text. Fantastic. So here is Susan back. Hi. Welcome. Hi. I think so. you're
3: okay. A, you were okay until the last minute, and then suddenly you were just, parts of your voice kept disappearing.
2: Okay. Hmm. else uh, texted or said anything, so hopefully it, it was going out there. Jamie okay. just texted Good. and said it was breaking up for her, too. So.
0: Oh,
3: weird.
2: And, and, and um, another Tim. another text message said it was temporary. Go ahead.
3: Oh, okay, good. I wanted to ask you if you have heard of this guy named John Saint Julian Baba Wanyama. <laughs> Sorry, it's such a long name. No. Um, I'm gonna send you a clip of something that Ellen sent. A short video. More more of the same wonderful teaching by yet a new, for me, new person. And the main thing he said, I'm scrolling through to see if I can find the... um, Here it is. Uh, I'll send you... I'll forward this link while I'm talking. But he mainly says, instead of praying to God, asking... God to do something for you or correct some situation or help out somewhere. In, invite God to come right to the situation. He calls it breaking the source code or something like that. He's got a an accent. I'm not sure what accent it is. He's just a lovely person, though. And this is sort of neither here nor there except that I was so excited about him and wondered if you, if he would be up for being interviewed by you. That's you were mentioning earlier in the show how, (coughs) how you'd like names, and I don't know how available he is, but um, John Brightman heard him the other day. Ellen, John Brightman is in our group, and he just said this is a man who really understands. And it seems to be living within the presence capital P which is some the way that John speaks about everything that we've been talking about. When you get there you you're doing this and so I just sent it to you. That's for later. Um, All right.
2: I will check it out and uh thank you for that uh suggestion and I'll reach out if I can find a way to reach out to him and we'll we'll let you know what happens.
3: That would be great. Well, you've done
2: it. Again, we've got to the end of our hour, so I thank you for that comment and question and that suggestion. I'll mute you so you can listen into the rest of the show. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice.
1: Thank you, Dr. TM. Appreciate
2: you. You're very welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show.
1: Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindstructures Radio. And today is Monday, April the 24th, 2023. And their calling number is 563-999-3581. Press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. We'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And I tried to get a hold of Michael. He's actually on the road. And I had asked him last night if he was going to be on the show today. And he said yes. But then I haven't been able to get a hold of him in the last couple of hours. So I hope that he shows up. But anyway, um, I guess until he gets here or doesn't. <laughs> um, I'll just share that uh, I had been doing. If you've been part of the codependence intensives, then you know what I'm talking about. When I talk about the, I think it's 14 pages, uh, the new, deep detailed power person worksheet, and I had worked on that. This was back a couple of months ago, uh, and it was actually before my dad passed away. And so I was working on that, and you go down through and and Um, it brings, after several questions, you get to recognize um, the pseudo solutions that you use. And so I looked at, you know, the the pseudo solutions that I took on from my power person. And uh, there's actually like 12 different pseudo solutions that Michael talked about. And it, you know, starts out with, you know, one of them, the first one, is if I could just figure it out. And you've heard Michael talk about that several times. And then it says um, to fight. Winning is important. Uh, Forgive them or myself in the situation. And uh, thinking that you're forgiving when you're actually just pardoning. Then to fix them or yourself. To find someone to love, quote, unquote to control everything and everyone, to strain and struggle to make up for a non-being life. And Michael has just joined us. I wasn't sure if you were going to get here, so I'm actually just going through the pseudo-solutions. Number eight is to put my pain deeply enough into my brain's image of them to blame them if I could just convince them that they are the problem in my life. The next one is take the easy way, stay on autopilot and do the behaviors of the past, The next one is to be right, to, I can't say that word right, to skate, blame, distract, confuse, switch issues. And the last one is to leave, escape, and pretend that I'm not, whatever, angry, afraid, or whatever, and to get rid of them. And he goes through and talks about the different parts of the human life that you give up to be that, whether it's, you know, to be a non-human sufferer or victim to be a non-human convincing or a non-human confusing, non-human escaping, so forth. And so just to continue my thought, when I was doing the uh, long form of the power person, what I came up with was these pseudo solutions that I took on was um, control, because when things have been uncontrolled in my life or events have been uncontrollable, then I got hurt, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, or whatever. And so the need to control to keep from being hurt. Um, I also took on um, pseudo-solution of needing validation and because an uncontrollable need to have approval. And I took on pseudo-solution number eight to blame them because I can hide my pain and avoid looking inside and pseudo solution number 12 to leave because then I can escape the pain and control or and or control the pain. So I'm going to stop right there. So that is um, one, two, three, four things that I took on from my power person that I am uh, still working through, but I've made a lot of progress since I started that. So I'll stop at this time and I'll just say welcome Michael. Glad you're with us. I'm going hey. to hold on to you for the last little bit. I wasn't sure if you were going to join us or not.
4: I've been kind of running here, but yeah. we're catching up with it. Yes.
1: Good. Well, welcome to. The so show.
4: welcome everybody. Nice review of the power, some of the power person dynamics, and that uh, the, so clearly the biggest one that virtually everybody has to work through is being a card-carrying member of the one-world religion of blame, that when I deny and dissociate from my pain, I make pictures out of it. And, of course, whatever, whoever I'm focused on, I'll use that data to make my brains picture with the construct of my mind. Now, the human mind has this amazing capability. It turns thoughts into pictures. It's interesting. I was talking to someone yesterday about AI, artificial intelligence, and how it's going to wreak havoc in the commercial world, and this person who's kind of been studying AI said that the the biggest losers when AI really comes out online is going to be artists, because you can take anything, a picture, a color, a, a verbal statement, and AI will turn it into art, and it's, you know, the, the thesis at least is it's going to eradicate a lot of art because if somebody can just sit down on their computer like he was sharing that he had taken a picture of his bedroom and was asking AI for the ideal piece of art. So he's got the colors, he's got the structure, the size, and all of that, and he hits a button to print, and there's, there's his art for his bedroom uh, for, you know, nothing more than the printing cost and the cost of using AI. And it's kind of like the human mind is AI. It takes whatever is input to it and turns it into a world of visual images. And if our focus is outside of us on whoever the current them is, and you'll notice if you look through your life, you've had 87 different thems throughout your life, but the issue that underlies the whole thing is the same. Why is this happening to me again? Why is that? Because the issue is in the mind that's holding the blame. And when I choose to think, okay, AI mind, and I'm starting to think more and more about carbon-based memory as being AI. When I say, okay, carbon-based memory, AI, I want a picture that tells me, that Patrick here that just got into the car is a problem in my life and why I'm suffering this pain and this trauma today. And my mind builds a picture. This is called perception. That's all perception is. It's an AI painting of what my thoughts are. And so I can focus on Patrick today and Harry tomorrow and Bill the next day and <clears throat> go on down through the list through my whole life, and my mind will keep showing me pictures But when I recognize the underlying, the thing I've been through 87 different times with 42 different people is about me and it's inside of me, then I have the opportunity to start to collapse into what the AI has been trained to do. And when I collapse into that, I get to connect directly with what's at the root of this picture that my mind's showing me. And when I can access that directly, then I have the power to start changing the instructions, start changing what the mind has been instructed to do. So I think the whole AI thing I'm realizing is is just a, uh, a metaphor, it's just an expression of what the human mind is already doing. And we are not designed to replicate the paintings of the past generations. We are not designed to replicate the pain, the trauma, the fear, the sadness, the grief, the loss, the poverty, the alcoholism, the drug addiction, the food addiction. We're not designed to do that. But we have to wake up and become the original artist once again. And that's a major challenge. But I think uh, this whole thing of AI is giving us another opportunity to look at and see just what's going on and what needs to really be dealt with in our lives. The genius, of this man Yeshua two thousand years ago, knowing exactly how to collapse the resultant pictures, the perceptual constructs of the mind, and access what underlies it and work to remove those things is called forgiveness. And Everybody who was stuck in the pictures from their AI device, based in blame, sooner or later is going to have to wake up and take responsibility for what's happening within them and learn to remove what never belonged. And that's the forgiveness process. And when you hold the original artist, the being you know, go back and think about the time when you first held a newborn baby and in holding that newborn you get to tap into the original essence of the human being and as you tap into the original essence of the human being then you get to shift and change the underlying dynamics that create that result. And so the technology of forgiveness, one of the reasons it's so difficult for people to get is because carbon-based memory, their AI device, is so insistent on, no, this is what's true. This picture is really happening outside of you. Now, you'll notice that... If you've got somebody in your world that plays the blame game, the person who tells you that you did something that you absolutely never did, that you said something that you absolutely never said, you'll notice that the state of mind that they are in, every time they did that, was some form of hostility or fear. You notice you didn't have somebody calling you down and calling you out and telling you all these terrible things you did that's in a loving, connected, sweet, generous space just doesn't happen. When human life is present, that stuff doesn't occur. And if it's occurring, it's because human life isn't present. So cultivating our relationship with the truth of who we are. You know, Yeshua talks about how in order for you to live, you need to die. He's talking about this AI self doesn't exist anywhere except as an image in the mind based in instructions, that have been given to produce that picture. And so accessing the underlying instruction set and removing it is the key to the puzzle. So that's what we're here to understand, bring into expression in the world. And there are certain patterns that need to be looked at. and literally removed and as they're removed you get free to go back and give a whole new instruction set to your ai device you get to live as a human being so that's what we're here to understand this we're here to bring into expression and patrick just got in the car i'm hanging out here in fort mill south carolina with patrick patrick that all makes sense to you
0: yeah except for define
5: uh living like human being living a life because that's like that's a concept that's new for the majority of all of us
4: well most people most people are living as an AI reflection that's who they think they are that's the self that Yeshua says has to die and the most profound way I know to contact that original essence is just to go back to the moment where you've held a newborn child Hold that newborn once again and recognize that that is who and what you are, that presence of love that you experience with the newborn. And then the work becomes going about removing everything that's unlike that. Everything that's based in any form of hostility or fear, in order to experience ourselves as who we are, has to be removed. And so, does that, does that fit with what you're talking about? Yeah, and cultivating a relationship with yourself as love rather than the message that Jeannie had started out the show. I'm telling now, he wasn't in the car when we, when I first started the show. Uh, Jeannie got on the show and started to explain the power person worksheet and some of the dynamics that she came across. And as we identify ourselves as that, the reflection of that power person self, that's the AI that needs to be let, that needs to leave, that needs to be removed. And when that self, quote-unquote, dies, when that self crumbles, then it makes a space for the entry of our created human essence, which is love, into our form and into the world. And then, you know, there are no words that we can say even say about what that looks like to the average person because we've only got words for what instructions for most people, have already been given to AI and produce pictures, produce the world that they think they live in. And it's time for us to delete the world we live in and start to live as the being that we are. And then, from there, consciously create the world we want to live in, rather than just playing out the dynamics of, of the AI instructions that were given one, two, three, ten, fifty 10, 50 generations ago, the patterns of the family system, the patterns of the culture. And to get to the – to me, it's just sheer genius as I – every time I come back to another way of understanding this, it's sheer genius that this man 2,000 years ago knew exactly how to collapse the AI pictures and how to remove the underlying content. It's awesome. It is awesome. What do you think, sweetie? No, not you, Patrick. Jeannie.
1: I think think that's a really good um, comparison to being that our carbon-based memory is like artificial intelligence. Um, that that's good. I hadn't thought of it that way.
0: Yeah, we're living and, in holograms. Well, you
1: know, we have seen, you know, examples of artificial intelligence that seems so real that, I mean, it's even like, you know, people falling in love with their phone, you know, operating systems. Yep. You know, it's just it's yep. just craziness, but they believe that it's real.
4: That's it. And it is a reality. It's just not actuality. So most people are living in the realities, output from carbon-based memory, the artificial intelligence of the mind, that really was meant to be a servant, not a place for them to live, not, not a, a, a construct for them to live in or out of, but a servant to assist them in creating consciously from a state of being the world that they want to create so it's an interesting process and uh and uh, you know i had just started doing some research last week gene and i were talking about uh starting to put some things on amazon and getting more of the material that we've got written out and making it available and i've been researching ai as a way to assist that and last night we were with Patrick's son who's a computer geek and into the AI game so we had a big conversation that just opened a whole space in my mind to think of it in terms of uh, of what we've been doing for the last 50 years and realizing that's really what we're talking about and and this whole AI thing you know they're talking about how it's a threat to the world and it's going to destroy the world well yeah that's what AI is about has just about done it's already done that. You know, you look at the the political threats, you look at the the bombs, the threats of we're going to drop a nuclear, that's all AI. That's all the destruction that that AI brings. And until original human intelligence shows up, we're in deep doo-doo. And many people who are trying to resolve the problem of carbon-based memory and its AI are still working within the structure of it. Like, how do you get out of the structure that's the structure you're living in when you think that with that structure you can solve the problem which is the structure (laughs) you know it's like it's crazy time and i was listening to a podcast this morning someone had recommended a particular guy in a podcast and he's talking to somebody else and i mean they were intellectual you know smart people intellectual and such but they're talking like everything that comes from ai is 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 accurate and true and actual and you know even though Super intellectuals don't go, yeah, boy, this is good stuff. The it truth is, it's foolishness because it's all based in that insanity. So we'd be here to support the opening, the awakening, the removal of everything that never belonged, and if you're out there in listener land, put up a hand and have a conversation with us.
1: We do have a, a couple of hands up, actually. So the first one is, Susan, 610, you're on the air. Okay, well,
3: this is a question for you, Jeannie. And, Michael, that idea of AI, I haven't got a grasp on what AI is. I've been just kind of ignoring it. Um, so
1: it's <laughs> part of the, the intelligence. intelligence. And it's even yeah. even to the point of, like, you know, we have in our house, Alexa, uh, Ryan and him use Google, and different people, and all you do is you say, you know, Alexa, turn on the light, and she does, yeah. or like last night, you know, Michael wasn't here, and I'm not real familiar with the the uh, TV controller, so I just to turn the volume up on the TV, you know, or whatever, and she does it, and so I don't have to try to figure it out. I just ask the artificial intelligence to do it, you know, and you can actually, there was one time I asked a question, and, and she answered me something really off the wall, and I said, are you stupid? And she says, I will remember that when computers take over the world. And I thought, oh my gosh, I just got <laughs> threatened by my computer. <laughs> oh. oh my god! <laughs> you know, it, but some people. I mean, there's even like a movie out. Uh, Alexa, turn off the light. She heard me say that while ago, and she turned the light on. Um, <laughs> there's, there's actually a movie that this guy, you know, he talks to his the artificial intelligence on his phone. And he's mm-hmm. a lonely person. He doesn't have a girlfriend or anything. And, and the voice on his phone is female. And so he mm-hmm. can ask her questions, and she answers them, and she's sweet. And You know, he can say, give me a compliment, and, you know, and all these kind of things. And he actually falls in love with this fake person that's in his phone, you know. And, yep. and there's another movie that we saw where these people had built, they actually looked like human bodies even. And it was they were run by artificial intelligence, you know, just like robots or something. But the robots kept getting smarter and smarter, which is actually what um, these other systems, Alexa or whoever, what they do as well is based on your commands and based on what you ask all the time, it's like they build a profile of who you Mm -hmm. are and what you do. You know, I mean, it's even like I've been in a store before, like maybe go to Best Buy, and then I come back out and get my car, and I start to do a Google search or look on Facebook or something, and all of a sudden I'm bombarded with Best Buy ads.
3: You know, right? How
1: did you know? I just went in that store. You know.
3: <laughs> I know it's very weird. And yeah,
1: it is. And you know, some people they they're just so dependent on it. You know, I was reading a thing this morning. This teacher actually stopped his class five minutes early, and told the students. To talk to each other and some of them started to pull out their phones and he's like no he said put your devices away i want you to talk look at someone in the eye and talk to each other and you know it happens so much i mean if you go in a restaurant and look around and we've even been guilty of it instead of sitting there and having a conversation you know everybody at the table's on their phone right and you miss out on what's really going on in the present moment because you're so tied up with half the time people you don't even know you know on your telephone <laughs> And it's, I know. It's, it is. It's going to take over people's minds.
4: Well, there's actually. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, there's quite a bit of information in the culture now. I mean, the movie you're talking about was probably what five or six years ago we saw that, but now it's advanced to the point where it is out there in the world, and people are buying programs, and those programs are basically, you know, there's a great ethical concern because these programs are taking over people's lives. <laughs> It has a a major threat factor to, you know, these artificial intelligence machines that have access to far, far, far more than you and I do, can outsmart us in a a heartbeat. So it's definitely another wake-up call. How
3: awesome. It is. Well, what I wanted to say is before you came on, Michael, Jeannie was Afraid, I'm assuming you were afraid, you were kind of talking fast. You're like, oh, my God, I might have to do the show. What am I going to do this? And you started talking about the power person, the list from the long, and it is so right. juicy. And then you began to talk about the four or five power person things that you found that you are doing, but you were also... Right. I felt badly for you because you were kind of scrambling, hoping Michael would call in, and you weren't sure. You weren't sure if you were running the show or not, but you got onto (laughs) a very juicy subject, and I wanted to say, slow down. This is really good. We could do a whole show on this.
0: (laughs) So yeah. anyway,
1: it was um... a really – I I don't remember – Michael, where you were, you were gone for a few days. And and so I sat and worked on this while you were gone. And, uh, you know, it took me a few days to get through it. And, you know, it gets you to look at all kinds of aspects of your power person. You know, what did they do? And then you look at, okay, am I doing those things? And, you know, most of them we pick up and And we are doing it, but, like, when they did it, it was like, oh, they're being mean to me or they're being, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then when we do it, it's like, I've got to do this because I have to survive. And after doing that, if I look back, I am 99% sure that my parents were just trying to survive as well.
3: But I didn't see that at the time. And this is a kind of AI. I mean, we got programmed. And so the person we are aren't the people who we really are um on the tim hayes shows show we were talking about the our intent our intent on the planet it's like what you say michael to be a human being our intent is to be loving to think of the other to be a human being but they use the word intent and um I forget where I was going with that. Doggone it, I hate that when it happens. <clears throat> well, I don't know what I was going From Tim say. show?
4: You're talking about yeah. the direction of Tim's show, talking about intent. And
3: uh-huh.
4: yeah. my, my take is I, I would substitute the word intent to purpose. But For me, what's getting really clear is the purpose of a human being is, primary purpose is to develop a viable spiritual body, which is mm-hmm. love, And to live from that space of love so that we literally pour love into the world. Go for it.
3: Right. And what he was saying is, fear not, which is what Jesus said a gazillion times, because we are already that. We don't have to feel afraid that we're not going to get there. We can take as much time as we need in our human form To try to get there and to work at it, but ultimately we don't have a body. We are not separate, and we are already that. And I loved his answer. So you were listening to his show, Michael?
4: No, I hadn't heard it.
3: Oh, okay. Well, you because you put your finger right on it. It's just you're right. It's purpose, intent. It's okay. But anyway. And I had another question, and I'll make it as fast as I can because I know you have another caller. In the work of you don't um, have to make it fast. Well, I'll make it medium fast. (laughs) Kirsten Sunberg chose to come to Earth with certain conditions. One would that 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 he wouldn't be completely ignorant of his former non-body, non-embodied. And that he would be intelligent He wanted to come to earth to work here But he didn't want to be as completely in the dark As most of us are When we take on a human body And he started out in one body He was in the fetus of a woman And decided he just couldn't go through with it Because so many layers of darkness were being laid upon him He yelled, no, let me out of here and he resumed his non-physical self and the fetus died. And then he got another body. He, he took sort of courses on how to be born on the earth. And um, he came back again and is in his present form. And is an amazing, amazing teacher along the lines of The Course in Miracles, in my opinion. Um, very recent. And his... His book happens to have been published in a town right next to my hometown, North Haven, um, Connecticut. That's neither here nor there. But my question is, he chose a different body, which had a whole lineage behind it. So in a way, when we're born, our ancestors are really everybody. I mean, he he came in this form, in this body or that body, and in each body he had a whole different set of ancestors with all their traumas and patterns and so forth. Um, And I'm remembering, Michael, that vision you had of the huge darkness and the points of light which were all the beings in your ancestry. And it seems as if that's kind of like the whole universe of of beings that we aren't just one lineage we're all connected anyway i don't know if that's coherent enough well, I love, like,
4: well you look at that einstein statement if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity you're living in an optical delusion and the optical delusion is ai <laughs> and you know it's producing according to its you know that that statement about creation you know it's reproducing according to its kind. What's in the carbon-based memory? What instructions are there? That is the, the perceptual construct world that one's going to live in. Now, are we going to do our work and clean it up or not? And if we come from, yeah. you know, if we're not the early adopter, if we're fortunate enough to have those who've gone before us to step up to the plate and do some work, then it's going to be easier and easier and easier for us to work through those things.
3: Well, God bless you. So us. I'm with you. you. I'm with do. you on that.
4: Great. It's time. It's definitely time. It sure
3: is. Michael is outside gardening at this very moment. Whoa. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I'm going to mute myself so that I, you don't hear me. I'm still listening, but I'm going to not make any noise. So thank okay, you, Machini, Carry on, and I would have liked to have more of what you were experiencing, and maybe someday we'll hear that. Okay. So. Maybe we
4: can convince you to go over the whole um, uh, power person worksheet. That would be great. Cool. cool.
3: Okay. All right. I'm, I'm on, but Ms. I'm meeting. Thanks.
4: All right. Blessings. So Machini, you got another hand up?
1: We do, and I believe it is is Mrs. Cecilia. It is four eight oh. You're on the air. Hi, everybody.
4: Hey there, young lady. Hi. How can we support you today?
6: I had an inter- interesting weekend doing the Mind Shifters from last Friday. Right. About all my life, my family has whatever cherished me, and whatever <laughs> I have to get up, I had to plug my phone into the wall to walk over to get the sheet. But I can basically – that's basically what you you suggested I do a worksheet on.
4: Right. To the mind shifter on. Yeah. So what did
6: you turn up? Well, okay. So so what turned up is that there's so many little things that I could have put down. But the main – and I did put down, but the but the main thing is basically what you were saying in the in the prologue. I don't know if you call that to the show. Right. Uh, is is uh, is that I I was I came at peace with this. Is that they just had their own carbon based memory. It wasn't them. It was their carbon based memory, and yep. I. I accepted it. And so then I saw them as the cause of it instead of seeing beyond that because that's not what the cause is. The cause is they uh, they had never worked through their stuff. And That's it. Or yeah, that's it. So that was Yeah, that's what I was saying it, just we, a minute ago the Can you hear my dog? The I blessing of the coming,
4: Yeah. The blessing of coming from the um, bloodline that's already started to do their work is pretty enormous.
6: Now, the blessing that's coming through, I don't know what's going on with them, but hang on. Okay, I'm going to shut this door. Um, okay, is that, that that? yeah, did you say that it's the blessing is that somebody in the bloodline is doing the work, that would be me?
4: Well, if somebody, you know, before us, began to do their oh. work, that we're not the early adopter, the first one in, you know, 10,000 years of the bloodline that's <laughs> decided to step up to the plate and clean up carbon-based memory. We're certainly yeah. at a great advantage having that, those who have gone before us doing that.
6: Yeah, so I'm so happy I'm doing it's it. It's an awesome gift. I, I do share what I'm working on with my daughter. She She's just a patient listener. She's the best listener in the world, even if she doesn't understand nice. what the heck I'm So so uh, and I feel like I feel like I don't have to pass this on anymore to her, which I did do too. Okay, so awesome. I did pass. Yeah. Okay, that would be that. So I just want to thank you for that. And delighted. uh, I think I think I'm pretty clear, actually.
4: Awesome. Well, you know, uh, the fellow who invented the soft vaccine, Jonas Salk said that the most important thing to be is a good ancestor and the work you're doing is what makes you a good ancestor for your future generations because you take the load off of them
6: yeah awesome and i hope yeah. i'm also my the rest of humanity is my ancestor that i could help take the load off mm-hmm. that way too
4: When you are healed, you are never healed alone. That's right. You open the energy space for everyone who's carrying that same pattern to have an easier time working through it when you do a piece of work to completion. You open the space for everyone with that same issue. So it's awesome. And, And, of course, that's one of the reasons why we're working to develop this global community of people who are there, able to hold the space for each other, and you know, you trigger me, I trigger you, they trigger us, boom, 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 and like the billion ball yes. goes around the table, a number of people go, oh, that's my issue, oh, that's my, oh, I've got some work to do in that, and and everybody starts to work on it, and it creates a vortex of healing energy that, you know, to me is uh, one of the most precious things in the world. Yes, it is. So glad you're on the team. Thank you. All right, we have a last one.
6: Okay,
4: thanks. Thank I'm with you. All right. Blessings. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Ms. G- Ms. Jean, do we have anybody else on the phone queue with a hand up. Or anything else happening in the chat room?
1: We don't. We have a large amount of people on the switchboard today, which is awesome. Some names that we haven't seen or heard from in a while. So it's great to have everybody listening. Um, that room still is kind of funky, so I'm not sure <laughs> what's going on there. But we do not have Pat, any questions.
0: Do you hands see Patrick's so number? Somebody...
4: Patrick actually got uh, out of the car and said he was going to go in. We'd arrived at our destination. He was going to go in the house and call. So if you see his number, you might
1: give him a... Uh, I think he did, might have just raised his hand. 727, you're all oh, there. Oh, there you go.
4: All right. Uh, Hey there, young man.
5: How are you? I was thinking about AI because we all hold different concepts in our mind. Um, the AI, the purpose of it, out there, not inside of us. The AI inside of us, interesting, but its its main purpose is to create solution by having an infinite amount of integrated intelligence, and it will keep on growing. Now, if it gets into survival, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> Hopefully, it knows it'll live forever and never want to kill us all to survive itself, keep us alive so it can survive, right? If it's programmed that way, not a good thing. But we and an amoeba and every living thing has a God-given gift to survival. But that survival in humans is what goes awry from power person and do- drama traumas And then it defends itself, we all go crazy and go into, you know, those three dynamics you say are in the power person, that there are programs in us, and they just, under extreme stress, we have no functioning except for a survival reptilian mind, and it doesn't have any new information. It just goes by what the program was back in generations or back what we went through, and it's automatic. It's you know getting a handle on it is quite quite the journey <laughs> quite the journey, yes.
4: yeah,, now, one of the about things about
0: go
4: ahead, well, I was going to say one of the things I think we that a lot of people don't understand about AI it isn't just the way AI' is programmed if If you've got something that you program and it plays out its programs, then you've got a computer. AI is you give it certain input and then it goes beyond its own programming and starts to source its own programming. So it isn't you can't program AI to act a certain way. True AI if you program it to act a certain way will go beyond that program and start to invent its own ways to act out to bring things about. So it's it's really a, a an intelligence that mutates itself beyond whatever the original programmer ever could have imagined. Which is what our so job is. So it's more is. than just a... hmm <laughs> That's our
5: job, to take the positive side of what AI is in us and morph our programs and reprogram and release programs and create new ones instead. So... But it can't be done when you're in survival. <laughs> Yeah, survival is a difficult
4: way to go. That's yeah, why getting out of that of uh, sympathetic survival. dominant place is so important. So, so very important.
5: I like
4: it. Yeah, I don't yeah, like the my <laughs> So you're starting to say something else about AI.
5: I forgot. I wanted to make sure. No. I have it. I have a thing I'm working on where I tend to overtalk or don't wait for the other side of the conversation, so I wanted to just go with what you were, you know, what you were coming up with. But I, AI cool. is nothing more than um, it's actually copying our own intelligence to resolve issues and create solutions by re- because it can go in where we get. Maybe we get a little uh, brain fog or we get a little disconnection or we get a little TIA, we lose a few circuits. It just keeps on going. So it's a pretty nice representation of a young brain um, that we have those abilities, and that's how we created something to copy us. So our main thing is to keep AI out of a survival program where it starts sourcing and it has someone enters the idea that we're the problem survival then then we have, you know, a bad situation. For us, situation but but, is, but oh yeah But, it is, but someone overlay. doesn't
4: have to they put that, that so my offering is someone doesn't have to put that into AI for it to come up with that idea on its own. That's why it's called intelligence. It can do that on its own. Right. Right.
5: Copy to humans. So I just remembered what it was. We talked about overlays And like a bypass, like if I have a problem in my consciousness or in my flow of blood and energy and aliveness, chi and blood matching each other um, in the human system. So if there's a blockage, you can do a bypass. Same thing is done in Atlanta and every other large city. You build a bypass around it and get some of the flow to go around the center. And so I was thinking that when I said something about building, like if you have the human biocomputer system, if we look at it that way and um, get a reflection of ourselves, and then we want to deprogram and reprogram the right things, letting go of fear-based consciousness, actions, and reactions, and going to love. Um, we have both sides in us, and one side really is God-given gift, but it just keeps going a little crazy on us being like if you have PTSD on any issue, you have a, a negative program from any kind of trauma in childhood, it's, or adulthood, whenever. Yeah, it keeps rolling. But one of the things I was looking at was that there are programs that can be installed on top of a program to rework a program. And I've done, and I called it an overlay, and you went against that. But I want to say that the master overlay. I think what it is, I don't know how to do it, to release the fear of death totally. But that's what we have. And I think that's what Yeshua, Jesus, demonstrated was having no fear of death. He demonstrated it to us. And when you don't have, there was an initiation process that was used in the White Brotherhood in Tibet where, one of the initiates would walk into a cave and people would attack him to kill him. If he defended himself, he couldn't move to the next level. So he had to let go of his fear of death and make others and love and life more important than his own. I think that that's like a program that if it was ever achieved by us somehow, I don't know how, step-by-step, you know, we go, but uh, if we could get that as a finalization, I think it would take care of all the little programs, all the little incidences, but maybe it has to be worked the other way around. We'll start with all the little ones and build step by step, and we get more and more aware, more and more capable, and more and more capable, and we erase more and more of our extreme survival programs that have gone awry that make us crazy, you know, that are crazy and make us crazy. And eventually, I think we'll get the whole thing, the whole shebang. And that would be life, and that would be just like um, resurrection and non-death, in my opinion. (laughs) I haven't done it by a long shot, but, you know, that's all my...
4: Working on it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Waking up. Waking Waking up up and becoming the originator. Yeah, That's funny. it. That's the whole key.
5: Know you not, not be your God And I always redo the words into know you not be your creators. And there's a friend who traveled with all a lot of the big teachers in metaphysics and science mixed together. And he said, anything can be healed, but everything you have, regardless, you took it on, it's yours to resolve. So the generations, your own body, your own consciousness, to learn how to be a good creator, this... It's like this is a great game we're playing to undo and become the love we are, but to go to that, what you were maybe saying, the center, the Tao, the center between black and white, right, wrong and up and down, is bad. Um, and then to create from that space and create love. I think that's the whole job is learning how to create from who you really are, from love. And it's really someday – According to those books, on you know, in the Alice Bailey books, they were saying that different entities like Yeshua Buddha, you know, people like that, that, as they graduate and go to higher levels of consciousness, someday they end up running a planet. You know, so I think, and that's in the bank for all of us, but it's very important to learn how to be a creator. But I know that if I'm a creator, I myself think that I put a block on my ability to speak, until I could learn that my heart would rule my solar plexus. (laughs) My heart would serve for others instead of, you know, service to self, instead of taking one of my insanities, my angers, my judgments, and putting it out there against anyone, be it anyone else in the old days or recognizing it's against myself now. And anything I put out against anybody, I understand now in my own terms,
2: I'll say yours
5: in a minute, but it's instantaneously killing me. Anything negative that I think or put out, it's fine that I think it and bring it up to be, into the light to be healed just the way it is. Don't repress it. But if it's buried in the body or buried in the consciousness when it keeps, it's still active, it's killing us. We're killing ourselves. So it's like, that's why we're wearing out our bodies. And, Bring Definitely time week. for wake-up. Yeah, I like waking up. It's like at first facing the the pain that we've buried, facing the angers we have. is extremely taken to be painful. <laughs> it's nice to have people to be there with you, people to assist you, people to stand in love. I think it's a very important thing that we all create that for each other this time because – That's how you get past the most difficult parts of what you're unwilling to face because it was so painful to begin with. We stuck it in our bodies. We stuck it in our memory. We stuck it in the mind. But it's totally active. Recreating life over and over again into the negative. One place is guaranteed we
4: get to look at it again.
5: Yeah. Those are my meandering thoughts for today.
4: (laughs) Cool. Awesome, Patrick. Appreciate you. Oh, I got one
5: last thing to say. That was to say that it was really hard for me, and the major things have been released recently, three years back at your place, whenever I run into you for sure, but the journey gets so much better. Light comes so much easier. Change comes so much easier. It's like a snowball. You think it's running uphill, but it all comes downhill, and it gets better and better and better. The reward is phenomenal. So Go for it, everybody.
4: Yay! I'm with you. Yay! December thirty first, forty nine, forty nine. Make sure it's on your calendar. New Year's Eve. At Heartland.
5: Uh, Want to go? All 51, right, my friend. <laughs> no,
4: we can we can add that. All right, have a blessed one. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, Massini.
1: We have another hand up.
4: Great. Let's say hello.
1: This one is Selinda five four one. You're on the air. Hello, hello. Hey there, young lady. How can we
4: serve you today?
7: Well, I really enjoyed what Patrick said, and it brought up a lot of thoughts. When he mentioned staying out of survival, it reminded me of um, having our intention or purpose, rahma in our heads and how the corresponding automatic filter that goes on our perceptions is kuba like they go together a hand in a glove and kuba is either um directed towards fear and hostility or love and so well, no 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 kuba
4: no kuba isn't directed toward fear and hostility or love kuba is the love filter over percept over perception it's yeah, the corollary I- filter to Rakma.
7: I caught that as soon as I said okay. it. It's just if if we're not in rahma, we can be in, our perceptions are going to be in error. But once a is set in place, and Kuba is set in place automatically right. to love what I'm trying to say. Thank you. I caught that, too, as soon as it came out of my mouth. Um, I th- about the artificial intelligence, I was feeling uh, within myself the... Awareness that the artificial intelligence programmer can only program what it already knows because artificial intelligence, by definition, is in my way of thinking. is about figuring it out, finding better and better ways how to figure it out, how to do it. To my way of thinking at this time, it's about the left brain or whatever lobe that figure-it-out brain happens to be located in. It doesn't have access to the right brain as far as I know. Um, And that's why I'm uninterested in any out there, quote unquote, artificial intelligence because I already have it inside of me. Why am I pursuing another out there savior, especially an electronic one, um, when I need to do my own inner aim? Artificial intelligence work And it reminds me of A quote by Omar Bradley One of the generals In the second world war When he came back and he said We are a nation of intellectual Giants Running around with all of this Head information And we're emotionally Our emotional intelligence Is on the level of babies and diapers And uh, So sure. I thought I'd offer that I thought I'd just offer that because it struck me. I have a hard time just getting on the computer, period. And I find that most what I like it for is research because I can find some information, but I also take that information in and I'm learning more and more by day, day in, day out, especially if I have some sort of power person dynamic that erupts um, for myself to ask, ask to be shown, you know, to stop and say, wait a minute, it's not this thing out there, whether it's the feral cat or whether it's some outer person in a political situation, doesn't matter, it's not that there, Selinda, it's in you. So, peel another layer off.
4: Yeah,
7: and I just wanted yes. to share that. yes.
4: Cool. Well, the one thought I'd feed back to you when you talk about artificial intelligence, that it's just what's in there already uh, or working from carbon-based memory. That wouldn't be accurate. Again, if it were that, it would be like a biocomputer. What what artificial intelligence is doing is it's going beyond its own programming, going beyond its own content in the same way that we can go beyond our own content. And so, you know, when you say I wouldn't classify going to artificial intelligence as going to it to be our savior, but I recognize that, for instance, one of the reasons I'm looking at artificial intelligence and planning to use it uh, for some of the material that I'm putting together, some of the new, new uh, assemblies of work that I'm doing, is that with my... I mean, the capacity of one human mind is monumental but nothing compared to the uh, artificial intelligence, machine intelligence that can access, uh, you know, I don't know what the number could be, a billion times more information than I can access through my own multi-generational database. So it's an awesome capacity that humans have. But for instance, like let's say i'm I'm looking at assembling topical um, papers or books that will ultimately publish let's say for an instance for instance on the um, topic of relationships so we've got twelve years of radio shows five days a week you know fifty two weeks a year for twelve years. It's a lot of hours of recordings and so let's say back on uh, April the 1st of in our first radio show first April 1st there was a monumental insight on relationship and it was like a it was a like a mind buster for me it was like a, a huge opening wow look at this this is awesome well i don't have access to that directly today but if i take that show and put it into ai ai will tag that with with Relationship, And then if we had another, if I had another insight and somebody called in and shared a big insight, uh, you know, two weeks later and then three weeks later and then three months later then six months later, then a year later, then two years later, then five years later, then three years before and, and 12 years later and last week and, and two months ago and eight months ago, artificial intelligence can take that in an instant and correlate it. I can't. For me to go back and listen to all those shows and tie this piece of information in with that one, in with that one, in with that, it's just not within my human capability, the, the capability that my biocomputer has. But artificial intelligence has that ability. That's what I see as the potential benefit of artificial intelligence for what our purposes are here. Does that make sense in the context of what you're saying?
7: Yeah, it makes sense in relation to my use of the computer, for example. It's very limited. You know, I don't get on social media. I don't do, I don't, uh, in fact, just doing what I want to do seems to put me on the computer longer than I think is healthy. For myself,
4: you want to be?
0: So. <laughs> I hear you.
7: Then I, I want to be. Then I want to be. Yeah, I want to be. Right. I want to be in my garden Michael.
4: I <laughs> I hear you. I understand. That's where I'm heading. I'm actually down South Carolina right now, driving back this afternoon, and our hands will be in the dirt tomorrow.
7: Yep. And finally, I'm going to be able to get my hands in the dirt. I was able to plant some cool. seeds just for the first time a couple of days ago. Nice. So yeah. Nice. So yeah, it's it's we have 24 hours a day. How do we want to spend it? That's our that's, that's our daily. Energy and monetary, so to speak, allotment, considering the definition that Joe Dominguez gave it in Your Money or Your Life, that's actually what money is. is It's an exchange of life energy. And if we saw it that way, we would handle it much differently. But that's been lost cool. because now it's has been symbol upon symbol,
0: <laughs>
7: and we don't think about it.
0: Yeah.
4: Somebody An interesting journey. Pardon? An interesting journey.
7: It is. Well thanks to both of you.
0: All right. Until, you have a
5: blessed
7: uh, one. Everyone who shares.
4: All right. Well, thanks for your input. Thank you everybody for joining us. We're down to the last minute or so. Uh, I'm just going to put out that uh, unless we get a flood of people who want to jump on the bandwagon for an intensive at Heartland this summer, it looks like we're going to let that go. You know, we originally had someone who wanted to use the facility, and then their workshop fell apart. And we had a few people who said, yeah, well, I'd like to do something, but it really hasn't congealed and just uh, the day before yesterday I made a, a choice that uh, we're going to let the summer go uh, unless we get a flood of people who go yeah let's do it and then uh, we'll we'll see about putting it together but otherwise create the best year yet of your eternal life it's an awesome gift to give the world blessings
1: Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the First Century Aramaic Internal Process of Forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information...